Hello and welcome back, fans, to episode number 188A of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And as you can see, the new issue is out in stores. Make sure you go pick it up. And if you're in a country or a part of the world that uh, does not get Boxing Monthly Magazine in stores, well, guess what? We have an app. So you can grab the app. And you can read the magazine there. And of course, check out the site, man. We have all sorts of material on the site, including world ratings and UK ratings. That's pretty cool. All kinds of stuff on the site that's separate from the magazine. So make sure you check that out. Also, uh, let's see, announcements. Uh, I am heading to Los Angeles Wednesday. So Thursday's preview show, of course, this is the review show right now. Thursday's preview show will be live from Los Angeles as long as everything works out in terms of internet so uh cool man that's gonna be a lot of fun i can't freaking wait to go to la it's been a year i moved here to atlanta last summer it's been a year and i'm just i don't know kind of nervous kind of anxious very very excited to get out there and see everything and see a lot of you guys and of course cover spence porter that's one of the bigger matches of of the year it is a unification in the welterweight division i'm all about it man Gail Falkenthal is on. She says, smash it. Smash that like button. And she's right, damn it. Selun Muni says, I am here. I'll eat your children. Let job be praised. I love it. I love it. Sarah Lechak says, hit the like button. Damn right, guys. Chris Bergen says, evening, Mike, and everyone. We got people watching from Mexico. We got people watching from the UK. We got people watching from all over the world. I love it. All right, guys. We're going to talk this episode. Of course, we're going to review everything that happened last week but before i uh, review the fight between uh fury and valin auto valin or valin i think it's pronounced i did an immediate reaction video that was posted on my channel yesterday go watch that because i really got dive into detail we'll do a little bit of that tonight but i want to make sure those of you who haven't seen it yet you go back and watch that we're also going to talk about espn's commentary and i don't want to beat a dead horse but i want to get your guys thoughts on that Let's talk a little bit about the Ryan Garcia situation with Golden Boy Promotions because it does look like that's not going to end well. And for the life of me, I don't understand. I mean, I kind of do, but I don't understand why Golden Boy is trying so hard because they got a much better prospect, in my opinion, with Virgil Ortiz Jr. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the Ryan Garcia situation. So for those of you who don't know, and this is news and notes. Before I get into it, real quick, just a real quick reminder, guys. Uh, make sure you smash the like button. Spread the word about the podcast and the show and the channel. Uh, share this on your social. Get it out there, all right? And, um, yeah, that's it for this week for, the, for your homework, for your fee. I got nothing better right now because I'm trying to prepare and pack to go to L.A., so my brain's a little scrambled. I'll have more for you Thursday. Anyway, Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight on the undercard of that Jaime Munguia, Patrick Alati fight on the zone. Oh, hold on. Before I do that, CJ Duncan in the house with the super chat. What's up, my man? Says, smash that like button. So CJ, he has a podcast called For the Taste Show. And he was here in Atlanta hanging out, him and his wife, Vicky, last weekend. And me and Tiff met up with him. We met his cousin. We hung out, had a few drinks. And I did CJ's show with him. So guys, make sure you check that out. Just look on Instagram, Twitter, For The Taste Show. And um, CJ, post in the comment section the actual name of the radio channel that it's on. Because I forget the actual numbers of the radio channel. Post that on here in the comment section and let everybody know. Make sure you guys check that out, man. It was a fun pod. We talked about a lot of boxing. Smashed into like 45 minutes. A lot of laughs, too. CJ got me a couple times. He's a funny dude. All right, so back to Ryan Garcia. He was supposed to fight Avery Sparrow. That fight gets canceled. Now, some people on social media were trying to make it out like Golden Boy was ducking Sparrow. They didn't want to fight him, and they helped him get arrested because what this was is Sparrow's from Philly, but he hasn't had an address in Philly for a long time. He's been living and training out of L.A., I think. L.A. or Vegas, somewhere on the West Coast. So he had a domestic incident back in April in Philly. He brandished a weapon on a female. There was a warrant for his arrest, but he was never really served because he had no address out there. He was kind of just floating around without an official address. So while he's in L.A., somehow or another, it gets known to the authorities that he's around. 
And actually, I think Golden Boy and the promoters involved, uh, they knew. I think that Russell Peltz was involved. Michelle Rosado, the Raging Babe, she was involved. They kind of knew from like Wednesday, Thursday, I, I've been hearing that he was going to get arrested. He gets arrested on, I think, Thursday, the day of the weigh-in. Or I'm sorry, um, Friday, the day of the weigh-in. Fights off, right? So last-minute replacement, uh, Ryan Garcia. Golden Boy Promotions tries to salvage it because they really wanted him to fight on that card. That was a, another brand-building thing for him. And as it turns out, there was a really good uh, number attendance-wise there at um, Dignity Health Sports Park. I, I, I still call it StubHub. But uh, Gail Falkenthal, who's here on the chat right now, she was there with a lot of the other Southern California media, and she told me that it was a very good crowd. There was over 7,000 there um, there in attendance. So they wanted to get Ryan Garcia on that card. Gail just commented in the chat, Sparrow's management supposedly had an agreement to hold the warrant until after the fight and hold his purse until after being voluntarily returned to Philly. But moral of the story, get it in writing. Yeah, so I was just going to say, they, they had an agreement and Golden Boy thought everything was good, but apparently the authorities decided to go forward with the arrest. So he got booked, man. That's it. And that was it. Uh, anyway, with Ryan Garcia, there was another fighter on the undercard. Romero Duno is a Filipino-born fighter, lives and trains in Los Angeles now. He was fighting a guy that missed weight. And so Golden Boy said, man, why don't we match you two up? They offered that fight to Ryan Garcia. Ultimately, he rejected it. Now, Eric Gomez at Golden Boy goes out there and tweets something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, uh, we made an offer for Romero Duno and Ryan Garcia said he's too tough. He turned it down. Ryan Garcia's team says, we didn't say that shit. We said that we want more money. So I don't know who you want to believe. The truth is probably a little bit of both. And look, from everything I've seen of these two guys, Romero Duno would be a tougher opponent than Avery Sparrow. And obviously the Garcia group agreed because they wanted more money to fight him. It tells you what they think or thought of Avery Sparrow. They thought they were easily going to win that fight. Also that he was offered Peter Petrov, veteran, way past his best, not natural at that weight, really a smaller, older guy. And Ryan Garcia turned that down too. Now, him and his team apparently turned that down on principle, not just money, but because it's last minute. And last minute replacements can really mess things up. I mean, you saw what happened with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, and AJ had a few weeks to prepare for him, right? So uh, you saw this play out on Twitter between Ryan Garcia, who tweeted something to the effect of, uh, my promoter talked about this irresponsibly or made up things about me, that kind of a thing. They've gone back and forth a few times now. Some people are taking Ryan Garcia's side because Golden Boy did kind of handle the situation very bizarrely, at least publicly. They're, they're, Golden Boy promotions PR, not very good. I mean, you saw the way they go back years, man, the way, the way they handled that Canelo Alvarez situation with the WBC after he beat Miguel Cotto and inherited Gennady Golovkin as the mandatory, and I didn't want that. Just the way they handled that situation was really, really poor. The way they handled the clenbuterol situation last year, not very good. Their PR at Golden Boy is bad. They need to hire a really good PR person. Be that as it may, there are people taking Golden Boy promotion side, saying, man, Ryan Garcia, you're a fighter. You're getting paid to fight. You should have showed up and got in the ring and did your thing. Again, I, I always tend to side with the fighter. And I understand that if you don't want to take on a guy last second, especially a guy who's probably a tougher opponent, that's your prerogative. It's never a great look, but it's your prerogative. If you make it about money and then beef with your promoter over Twitter, that is an even worse look. So the way I look at this situation, man, Golden Boy Promotions kind of created this monster. Every time you see an article written about Ryan Garcia, it's about his two or three million Instagram followers. I think it's three million or something, right? But what they don't say is Golden Boy Promotions paid for the first million or so, a million and a half. They bought those followers. And then through the magic of social media and media and the, the commentary crew at The Zone, and I, I think at one point maybe, did he fight on ESPN at one point? I can't remember, but I know for sure on The on Zone. All that helped gain another million and a half or so. And now dude has like 3 million followers. 
But Golden Boy, you kind of helped create this monster because you kept talking about this kid as the next Oscar de la Hoya, the next this, that, the other, the the next all-time great American, Mexican fighter, Mexican-American, American-Mexican, however the hell you want to say it. And the dude hadn't accomplished dick yet. He had a good regional amateur career, not a very good amateur career on the world stage necessarily. He hasn't done shit yet as a professional. And you kind of blew up his ego and he started working with the Reynosos and Canelo's team very closely. They work and train together, right? Who knows what from Canelo is rubbing off on the Ryan Garcia. But I don't see this ending well. I just don't because the kid's demanding things that he hasn't earned yet. To take a line from Top Gun, what was it? The original Top Gun. Your body's writing checks or your mouth is writing, your ego's writing checks that your body can't cash. There it is. I found it. Meanwhile, you got this guy, Virgil Ortiz Jr., who I think is the best prospect by far that Golden Boy Promotions has, one of the best prospects in America right now. That dude has a fighter's mentality. He gets it. There's a real opportunity to build a brand with him in Dallas. That's where he's from, the Dallas area. That's a growing boxing market. The, uh, the economics there are much cheaper to put on fights and everything else. Golden Boy should be shifting all their energy over there and sell out Ryan Garcia's contract to PBC or somebody like that who will overpay. Cash out on that dude because I still think long term, five years from now, 10 years from now, Virgil Ortiz is going to be sitting in a much better position than Ryan Garcia as a fighter. I just I see a lot of potential, but I also see a hell of a lot of flaws. Ryan Garcia's rise is going to be fun until that crash and that crash is going to happen and it's going to be major it's going to be a big one it's going to be like that highway crash that blocks traffic for two hours that when you crawl past you see body bags and you turn and look at it and say holy shit you do a sign of the cross and keep on rolling hoping nobody died it's going to be that kind of crash oh my brother anthony montero is on he says smash it i'm pretty sure he's talking about the like button so get to it fellas and ladies. All right. So that's my commentary. It's this kind of news. It's a slow news week, but that's kind of the commentary I have there. If you guys have any questions, we'll get to it. <clears throat> Other thing, speaking of commentary, ESPN. I want to state for the record because a lot of you guys are quoting things I've said and at mentioning Joe Tessitore and some of the guys, Joe Tessitore at ESPN. And I want to make very, very clear that I like Joe Tessitore. I like Bernardo Osuna a lot. He's, he's probably my favorite guy on that team. I like Tim Bradley as a human being. I'm not really crazy about Max Kellerman, but most of the guys at ESPN, I like them. I've met them. Me and Tiffany have met Joe, had a beer with him, shook hands, took pictures with him way, way back in the day. Okay? Good guy. And I think he does a great job. But... I need to get that on the record because the lineal push, and I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this because I made a video about it already. I've been talking about it for weeks. The push was coming hardest from Joe Tessitore, probably second hardest from Max Kellerman and Tim Bradley. But during that Tyson Fury fight, they were trying so hard to justify what you were watching. It was a gross mismatch. Not only were they pushing this lineal champion nonsense, which it really is nonsense. Captain Hill Chronicle says line anal push. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, Chris Bergen says lineal thing has become a joke. Absolutely has. But here's what's worse, guys. It's not just that. It's not just that. You saw that Fury cut himself during the fight. Joe Tessitore overheard the trainer in Fury's corner saying something to the effect that they thought it was caused by a headbutt. And you saw, I, I believe it, because if you saw the way Tyson Fury acted right after the cut, he really didn't have a sense of urgency. He was still very chill. You could tell Tyson Fury came into this fight wanting to go rounds. That was the plan here, to go at least nine or ten rounds. And Joe Tessitore basically told Bernardo, Bernardo Asuna to get over there in the corner and let them know that it was from a, uh, a punch, that the cut was from a punch. Basically telling them, like, guys, if this fight stopped, you're going to lose by TKO. That's the rules. 
If you if the fight stopped due to a cut by a punch, that is TKO, right? And so that is not the job of the commentary crew to tell fighters things like that. You are supposed to interview fighters when appropriate and commentate on the fight. That's it. You are not supposed to make yourself part of the fight. And they did. They crossed an ethical line. And I haven't seen one media member publicly on the record call them out. I'm the only one I saw in credentialed media tweeting about this, putting their name on it, stamping on it, saying that was wrong. You're not supposed to do that. The commission does that, okay? No one else in media, no other podcast I've listened to, nothing. No one's mentioned that. No one's mentioned it. So I'm going to see a lot of my old pals this week when I go to LA, and I'm going to have a chat with some of them about that. What's up, dude? Let's start telling the truth about this shit. On top of that, throughout the fight, it seemed that Joe Tessitore and crew were trying to obviously overrate Tyson Fury. But when they saw that this thing was going 12 rounds, and I think the odds were like 30 to 1. It was something, it was really, really wide odds margin. Now they had to prop up Otto Valin and try to talk about him as if he's a top 10 heavyweight now. And this was his proving ground. And now he's one of the best heavyweights in the world that's going to challenge everyone else. Complete and utter bullshit. That's no disrespect to Otto Valin. He put up the fight of his life. He had recently lost his father. They were very close. You could tell that was near and dear to his heart when he was there in the ring. And he was going hardcore, leaving it all out there. And he took a lot of punishment from Fury and survived. Which, by the way, reminds me of another Joe Tessitore gem Saturday where he said, one punch from Tyson Fury can change a fight. Tyson Fury's never been a hard-punching heavyweight. Ever. He nailed Deontay Wilder with punches. Deontay Wilder is so fundamentally bad that he got hit with his eyes closed and his head turned around the other way. Go back and watch the replay of the first fight between Wilder and Fury. Fury landed several crisp counterpunches that Deontay Wilder didn't even see and his eyes were closed with his chin way up in the air. He didn't budge. Remember, Wilder's a guy that's been buzzed by Arthur Spielka. He was dropped by Harold Sconiers. He was almost knocked out by a 52-year-old Luis Ortiz. This is a guy that can be buzzed. Fury didn't buzz him once. Fury's not a guy that knocks people out. So for just Joe Tessitore to say that, only to be followed by five, six rounds of Fury beating the shit out of Otto Valin, completely one-sided fight from the seventh round on, but he couldn't drop the guy, let alone buzz him or hurt him. So there's that, Okay. Overrating Valine to justify Tyson Fury struggling. Then there's Timothy Bradley. And Andre Ward sometimes gets caught up in what Bradley does. Give me a second, I'll explain. But he does the best job of keeping it cool. Tim Bradley always seems to want to try to make something more dramatic than it is. A guy gets hit with a punch and backs up and resets. Oh, shit, he's hurt. He's hurt, Joe. He's hurt, Dre. No, he's not. He got caught. He got hit with something. He backs up. He resets. That happens in boxing. It's part of the sport. But either a guy, some fighter always is hurt. Some fighter always is out of gas. His mouth's open. He don't want no more. Someone's always not inspired that night and didn't show up to fight. It's just Tim Bradley always, it's like he's he's turning into Teddy Atlas. It makes me wonder If Bradley and Teddy, because Teddy Atlas trained him for a while, Teddy kind of had a talk when Tim Bradley was getting started and said, look, man, you got to play shit up a little more. You got to be a character on TV because that's what the casual fans respond to. That's what makes little clips of you go viral. We are firemen, right? We are firemen. You got to shout shit like that. So every time there's a fight going, Tim Bradley says some hyperbole thing, some hyperbolic thing that's not happening. And again, I like Tim Bradley as a human being. He's an awesome person. But you don't have to try that hard, dude. You don't have to. Just commentate on what the hell is happening in the ring. You had a six foot eight Irish traveler trying to appeal to Mexican fans. 
calling himself uh, the, 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 the king of gypsies in Spanish, wearing Mexican trunks, bleeding, and a 30 to 1 underdog surviving. That's enough. That's a story right there. Just talk about what's happening in the ring with that. Not to mention the Swedish guy, his dad, El Rey de los Gitanos. Is it Gitanos? I saw one of you guys comment. I couldn't see who it was. Sorry. But that's enough, dude. You got enough backstory. That You got enough shit happening in the ring. A fight that everyone thought was going to be a complete fucking blowout was actually kind of interesting for a few rounds because of a punch that caused a cut. Which goes back to the old adage, anything can happen in boxing. That is what separates it from every other damn sport. That's why we love it. That's all you needed. Just talk about that. You don't need to keep shoving it in my ass with no Vaseline that Tyson Fury is the lineal champion. Without mentioning performance enhancing drugs, cocaine, a three-year absence, strippings, cancellations. Uh, What else? Uh, What else? Suspensions. And him retiring officially, publicly. Not, you don't have to mention any of that, but just mention that he's the lineal champ 4,812 times. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. We get it. And then Dan Raphael, who I defend a lot, but he's been getting chippier and chippier with me on Twitter lately. He's been tweeting nonstop since that weekend. Lineal, lineal. He's almost trying to troll people. People aren't really falling for it. They get what he's trying to do. Dan, Stop. We know you're trying to get in good with Bob Arum again because he was kind of trying to pass you over for some other people he recently brought on. You guys weren't always too copacetic. You're trying to get back in good graces. Don't pull a Mauricio Suleiman with Canelo Alvarez. Don't start pulling that shit, Dan. You're better than that. You've been on staff for a long time. You're the senior writer there. You don't need to play the game. You really don't need to become Mauricio Suleiman, Dan. Please don't do that. The guy that you spent years bashing and making fun of. You acted a lot like him this weekend. And I respect you, Dan. I do. I know you don't respect me as much. But you will. Anyway, guys, that is my... It's not really news. It's just my commentary, my bitch session, my rant for this Monday. Gail Falkenthal says, Raphael is feeling defensive. He's made the tough choice to go along... And keep his job. Absolutely, Gail. Absolutely. freaking lutely That's all it is. Literally, Mauricio Suleiman, after the whole situation that I talked about before with the WBC stripping Canelo Alvarez, what has Mauricio done? He's basically got down on his knees and licked Canelo's taint for the last couple of years, right? He created a whole title for him so that whatever Canelo does from here on out, he'll always have a WBC title because he's franchise, motherfucker, right? Dan's going a little Mauricio when it comes to Tyson Fury right now. And he doesn't need to. Just tell the damn story, dude. There's enough story there, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to add to it. It's like, it's the problem with most TV these days and even more and more movies. Just tell a damn story. Quit trying to be inclusive of everybody. No, you know, this TV show, there will be a great TV show on TV for the first season. And then some executive and producer will get in the room and say, you know, for the second season, we need to add a midget in a wheelchair who's transgender and attracted to young boys. And we need to humanize him and make him a vocal character in season two. And then they fuck up the show and it gets canceled. Boom! That keeps happening on TV. That's what ESPN's doing with Tyson Fury. You're annoying the shit out of everybody and you don't need to. Tyson Fury is such a great character and he's a good fighter. He's one of the top heavyweights in the world. He's a six foot eight, 250 plus pound guy who can move like a middleweight. We've never seen this before in the heavyweight division. Never, never. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. Everyone seemed to like my TV producer voice, okay? I'll do that voice more often. By the way, guys, actually, I'm pretty good at voices. I've done some voiceover work in Hollywood. I, uh, I could do the announcer guy voice pretty good. And I can do, the, uh, I can do all kinds of different voices. So, you know, trust me, I can pull out the accents. Anyway, this is the review show. Let's actually do some reviews. Friday, September 13th, Matchroom at MSG Theater, New York City on The Zone. 
Devin Haney. Let's talk about Devin Haney for a second. Let's get to something positive after all this. A weekend of showcase fights. And this wasn't necessarily supposed to be a showcase fight for Devin Haney. He was matched up against the best opponent of his young career in Zaur Abdulayev. I have so much trouble with that name. It's not that complicated. Zaur Abdulayev. Abdulayev, good quality uh, fighter out of Russia. You know, posed a real threat. And Haney beat the brakes off this dude. Absolutely beat the brakes off him. Looks spectacular in this fight. Absolutely. And let's be clear. Devin Haney was supposed to win. He was the favorite. But this was supposed to be a little bit of a test for him. Well, if this was a fucking test, he got 100%. He got 100%. We got firemen. <laughs> there you go. You guys like a little Teddy Atlas in there? Uh, anyway. Yeah, Devin Haney was a fireman, okay? And he, he put out the fire. He does, he's not even 21 yet. He turns 21 in November. Now, I talked about this in the preview. Abdullayev is his first fight outside of Russia. He was stepping up in opposition as well. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of unanswered questions about Abdullayev. And we got some questions answered in this fight. Clearly, Haney is levels above. But if Devin Haney is a prospect that is a a uh, stock, sell what you have right now and put some money into Devin Haney because you're going to eat off that for a while. Devin Haney's the next big thing. I'm calling it right now. The next big thing. Oh, Teddy Atlas. I'm starting to sound like Bernie Sanders there. Seriously, he's the next big thing, guys. He He's legit. He really... Now, is he ready for Vasily Lomachenko? That's quite a leap. Let's see him against the guy in the top 10 first. But I'll tell you this much. He's ready for someone in the top 10. He's ready to contend. He's there. And I've heard a few people say, oh, who wins between Devin Haney and Gervonta Davis? Devin Haney all effing day. He's levels above Gervonta Davis. Trust me on this. The eyes don't lie. Now, in the co-main, Amanda Serrano beats Heather Hardy in the lady fight. Oh, I should also mention, Abdullayev retired after the fourth round. Possible broken nose or broken cheekbone or both. Right, so that's how that fight ended. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that. And Haney, beautiful body work, uppercuts, hooks, awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Anyway, Amanda Serrano, Heather Hardy, really one-sided fight. It really looked like it wasn't going to last very long after that first round. Serrano came out guns blazing in that first round and absolutely beat the shit out of Heather Hardy. Right away, you saw levels. Now Heather Hardy, bless her bit down, toughed it out, went the distance. But I don't know if she won a round. The most you could do is give her a couple rounds. Now, I saw some credentialed media folks out of New York that are really good friends with Heather Heather Hardy and her family that were trying to go hard saying Heather Hardy won or that this was an even fight or a draw. That's absolute bullshit. And they should apologize for those tweets or posts or videos because that's not the way it's supposed to be done, ladies and gentlemen. There's, this was a very one-sided fight. You could argue it was a shutout. You want to give Heather Hardy two rounds? Cool. Maybe eight rounds to two. I can live with that. I see a few of you guys saying women's boxing is trash. I understand that's the attitude a lot of people have. There are other people in the world trying to say women's boxing is just as good as men's boxing and they deserve the same amount of money. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Women's boxing isn't trash. There are more and more talented lady fighters coming up that I'm actually interested in seeing. Do I want to see Amanda Serrano fight Katie Taylor? Yes. I'm going to watch that shit, and I'm going to watch it live. That's a good fight, guys. Amanda Serrano is one of the best top five pound-for-pound female fighters in the world. So is Katie Taylor. I don't give a shit what their gender is. When they get in the ring and fight, I'm going to be watching. Now, do they deserve anywhere near the amount of money that Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz are about to get, let alone Errol Spence and Sean Porter? Fuck no. They don't deserve anywhere near that. They just don't. However, I sure as hell want to see them fight. So let me see here. Serrano's only loss was to Frida Wahlberg back in 2012 in Sweden, not a bad loss. Frida Wahlberg was legit. She was a good fighter. And Serrano, I think, learned from that loss. She wins Hardy's WBO 
featherweight title. She's now held titles in several different weight classes and several different fight disciplines, not just boxing, but other fight disciplines. So she's an extraordinarily accomplished female fighter. And you guys should pay attention when she fights, if she's fighting a top-level opponent. I've heard some people refer to Heather Hardy as the female Arturo Gotti. Stop. Stop. I like Heather Hardy. I have nothing against her. But stop using Arturo Gotti as a benchmark for, to describe any fighter who survives taking an ass whooping. People forget that Arturo Gotti won titles. Not this title Heather Hardy had, which she beat nobody to get it. I'm talking about he actually had legitimate titles in different weight classes. He had a good amateur career in Canada. Arturo Gatti was a skilled fighter. Was he elite? Was he pound for pound? No. He was a notch below that. But he was a good quality fighter who took on everybody and won several, was involved in several fights of the year, rounds of the year, and absolutely deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. Earned every penny he ever made. I'm sick of people disrespecting Arturo Gatti, bitching, using him as a benchmark for the Hall of Fame. Well, Arturo Gatti got in the Hall of Fame, so Fighter X could make it in the Hall of Fame. If you think Arturo Gatti is the worst fighter ever in the Hall of Fame, that just proves to me you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. If you've actually ever gone to Canastota or looked at the fighters, particularly from the older era, in the Hall of Fame, there are dozens of fighters well below Arturo Gatti's level in the Hall of Fame, okay? And every year, there are at least a dozen, maybe more fighters on the ballot that are way worse than Arturo Gatti. Arturo Gatti was a good B-plus level professional prize fighter, and he fought everybody. He moved up 4,000 pounds to fight Oscar De La Hoya in a brand-building exercise for Oscar. He fought Floyd Mayweather when he didn't have to to help build. How about this, guys? Arturo Gatti was the A-side when he fought Floyd Mayweather. He helped build Floyd Mayweather into the brand he became. Go figure. He did that with several fighters. Stop disrespecting him by naming any fighter who survives taking an ass whooping and just doesn't go down by calling them the new Arturo Gatti. That's not how this shit works. Heather Hardy, good quality female fighter, a good C plus, B minus level female fighter, okay, in a not so deep talent pool. She's not the female Arturo Gatti. Stop. Just stop. Has Heather Hardy deserved another payday? Do I want to see her fight again? Absolutely. But she's not the female Arturo Gatti. Stop with that bullshit. She, she should be proud. She went the distance with a fighter far superior than her. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. One last thing. Lou DiBella had a rant after, Lou DiBella with the promoter, had a rant after this, talking about the equal pay thing, doing the social justice warrior thing. And that's what Lou does. And I understand it. And it's, it's also his job as a promoter to get that message out there with the female fighters. I get it. But he did hit on something that was pretty interesting because people asked about the two-minute rounds versus the three-minute rounds, okay? And he said, look, women are more susceptible to concussions, to brain bleeds, to head injuries. That's why they shouldn't fight three-minute rounds. So I looked into that because that's an interesting statistic. And if that is true, then that fully justifies two-minute rounds for female fighters and 10-round championship fights for female champions. I'm on board with it. I'll never bitch about three-minute rounds again. However, I got to say, I looked up several studies and there's conflicting uh, data on this, okay? Because a lot of the studies that they used for to study female concussions were based on domestic violence incidents where men were hitting women. So that's gory and nasty and it's a, it's a rabbit hole. I don't want to dive down for too much longer about this. Gail Falkbell, let's get your thoughts. She says, there are some studies about the so-called pink concussion syndrome, but I'm not so sure it's proven. Exactly, Gail. Like it, it, it's something where the science, we still don't know. There's two schools of thought. Men have thicker bone density, um, stronger necks, so their heads don't snap back as much, can absorb more punishment. Thus, the thought is, are less susceptible to concussions than women because women have thinner skulls, literally, 
you know, less bone mass, bone density, and uh, not their necks aren't as strong. So the theory is that they s- suffer concussions more. However, on the other side of that, women are not as strong as men. They don't have the upper body strength. And in boxing, what are you doing? You're striking, you're punching. So men have a lot more power, fast twitch muscle fibers, speed, uh, everything with their punches. And you're landing with bigger hands, bigger bones, bigger joints, everything. So men can create more power, thus create more concussions. And I'm, I tend to go with that side of the argument because if you look at men's boxing versus female boxing, men get a lot more knockouts. So I think men are more susceptible to concussions than women. From what I can see, I am by no means an expert, but I've seen studies that suggest both sides of that argument. So I understand why Lou DiBello went on his rant, but he stated the female pink concussion thing as an irrefutable fact. It is not. It is not universally agreed upon in the scientific community. So the debate will still rage on. Enough with that fight. Michael Hunter, unanimous decision over Sergey Kuzmin to improve to 18-1. Kuzmin was dropped in the fifth, suffers his first loss as a pro. Michael Hunter, I like a lot. Might fight Alexander Polvetkin next which I think is an interesting fight at this stage of both their careers and a fight that Hunter can win. He can win that fight. He's a little undersized, though, to be an elite-level heavyweight in this current division. That lack of size and lack of power is going to cost him against the top five in the division. But he's going to be a fighter that I think is uh, a good quality gatekeeper-level fighter who will give anyone a tough night at the office for the next few years in the heavyweight division. And I'll tell you something. Every time he wins at heavyweight, and if he goes on and beats Alexander Povetkin, if they do fight, which they're saying they might fight on the uh, Ruiz-Joshua 2 undercard, if that happens, every time this dude wins, it makes Usyk's win over him look so much better because Usyk dominated him, Alexander Usyk, at, his, at a better weight for Hunter, where he was actually naturally every bit as big as Usyk probably naturally a little bigger, to be honest. Usyk dominated him. So as Hunter has moved up in weight and is doing so well, Chris Bergen says, I'd like to see Hunter versus Joe Joyce. I'd love to see that fight. By the way, I'd like to see Joe Joyce versus Otto Valin. It looked like they were underwater, but that would kind of make it fun. <laughs> I'm a sick bastard. That fight would just be fun in my opinion. And by the way, Joe Joyce would probably knock Otto Valin out. What does that tell you? Uh, anyway... Yeah, that's what I think about Michael Hunter. Good quality heavyweight. Not going to be elite, not going to win titles, though. Okay, Saturday, September 14th. We got a few more fights to cover, guys, and I promise we'll get to some Q and or A. Uh, Queensberry in top rank. T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, ESPN+. And guess what? The birds. Let's do the bird watch. We're on the bird watch. We're on the bird watch. I'll tell you, listen up. The Birds were working this card. Robert Bird ref several fights on the undercard. Adelaide Bird scored several fights on the undercard. Turned in the worst scorecard of the night for that Quadras Cardenas fight had at a draw. Go figure. Adelaide Bird had the worst scorecard of the night. Gee, never heard that before. Continues to get work. It's insane. You had the lineal shit all night. You had Tim Bradley trying to be Teddy Atlas, the bald Teddy Atlas. And then you had the birds, particularly Adelaide Bird, working this card. And it just so happened Adelaide turned in the shittiest scorecard of the entire event. It was so frustrating. So frustrating to watch this shit. All right. We already know what happened in the main event. Tyson Fury, unanimous decision over Otto Valin. I was cool with the scores. They ranged from 10 rounds to two to eight rounds to four. That's all within the realm of objectivity and, and reality. If you went any closer or wider than that, you're an idiot and you don't know how to score a fight. Bad cut over Fury's right eye early on. Had to change tactics. Ended up getting stitches. Now it's been reported it was 47 stitches. Some people are saying 37 stitches. It was a lot of stitches. It was a deep cut, but the cut man, Javier Capetillo, who I praised on Twitter, and he got back at me and said, thank you. No, thank you, sir. You did a great job, and cut men are uh, very underappreciated in this sport. He did an outstanding job with that cut, and he ended up saving Tyson Fury, Frank Warren, Bob Arum, 
Al Heyman, Sam Watson, Deontay Wilder, ESPN, Showtime, Fox, Lou DiBella, Shelly Finkel. Who else? There's more. All these people, millions of dollars. All of these people should be spent sending a present to Javier Capetillo. And I got to say, props to Tyson Fury for giving him a cash bonus after the fight. Tyson Fury seems like a stand-up dude. He really, really does. Seems like a nice stand-up guy. All right. Speaking of Tyson Fury, some people out there, this shit goes in all directions, okay? I talked about some of the bad with ESPN and all that. Let's talk about some of the trolling. There are a lot of people out there making too much of the fact that Otto Valin went the distance and Tyson Fury struggled and lost rounds. Azier says DiBella isn't involved in Fury Wilder. As far as I'm concerned, Azier, I know Deontay Wilder doesn't have an official promoter, but Lou DiBella has worked with him promoting some of his fights because um, Al Heyman will always prop up a promoter to represent their side during a fight. And I believe that would still be Lou DiBella. He doesn't have a contract with Deontay Wilder, but I believe he would be involved. Maybe I'm wrong, okay? But I believe that he'd be in there from a promotional aspect to represent Heyman's side. But again, don't quote me on that. Uh, I will say this. Deontay Wilder has about a dozen handlers. He has a bunch of people handling him. He says he's a free agent, this, that, the other. This dude has publicists on top of managers, on top of advisors, on top of haircutters, on top of everything else, okay? He's got a ton of people handling his money. Anyway, back to Tyson Fury. Too many people are making too much of the fact that he went 12 rounds with Otto Valin, and now you're getting the exposed talk. And you're getting that from people with agendas. These LDBC idiots and other trolls that have an agenda against fighters that look like Tyson Fury, I'll just stop it there, are saying certain things about them that are unfair and untrue. Now, you guys heard me just rant about all the negative stuff related to Tyson Fury and ESPN and all, but you got to represent the other side too. Tyson Fury showed that he could get real tough. He could grit out a tough win when he was injured. He could change tactics. He could fight on the inside. One of you guys mentioned in in the comments section of my video that I posted Sunday, uh, the Steve Cunningham fight. Great example. I totally forgot about that. Great example. Steve Cunningham, when uh, he dropped Tyson Fury, his speed was giving Fury issues. Fury had to change tactics and maul on him, grapple with him, lean on him, wear him down. And that's what he tried to do with Otto Valin. So he showed that he has those dimensions. Once again, against Steve Cunningham, he was doing it against a faded fighter who was really a cruiserweight. He was doing it this time against a heavyweight. So that's an extra dimension. So we got some good stuff from Tyson Fury here. And without the cut, the cut was bad. Okay, he didn't need the cut, but he needed those rounds. And you could just tell by the way he came out in the first couple rounds, he wasn't going to blast this dude out like Tom Schwartz. He came out for Tom Schwartz completely different. He wanted to go out there and get rounds in. So the 12 rounds he got in was a good thing. The cut, obviously, was a really bad thing. But this doesn't expose Tyson Fury. In my eyes, Tyson Fury's stock did not rise or fall with this performance. He's still what I thought he was three days ago. He's a heavily flawed, some, in some corners overrated, in some corners underrated, top heavyweight in this division that still has a lot of questions. I think there are a lot of people out there really seriously overrating Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury right now. We already found out Anthony Joshua was overrated. All of these guys are overrated. And a lot of their hype is based off of one win or one fight You can't base a fighter and rate them off of one performance, man. So these guys still have a lot of unanswered questions. They're still proving themselves. And that includes Tyson Fury. His stock didn't rise or drop at all with this fight. It's just the same as it was before. If you rated him the right way. Also on this card, Emmanuel Navarrete improves to 29-1 with a TKO4 over Juan Miguel Ilord, who is tough but completely overmatched. 
Complete mismatch. This was the third defense of Navarrete's WBO 122-pound title. Some thought Russell Mora, that was the referee, his stoppage was premature. He stopped it with Elord kind of up on the ropes, taking a beating. I don't think so. I, I like the stoppage. Th- this fight was it didn't even need to happen. It was a complete showcase for Navarrete. So this fight proved absolutely nothing for Navarrete, but it made him some money. It made some of the Mexican-American fans there in Vegas happy. So well done, top rank. Best fight on this card, at least on paper, was between Jose Zapeda, a Mexican-American fighter, who had a close loss with Jose Carlos Ramirez back in February against Puerto Rican, former two-division titleist and 2008 Olympian, Jose Pedraza. Zapeda wins a unanimous decision over Pedraza. So this ended up being the best fight on this card. Maybe eh, maybe the main event was better just because of the drama. But this still underperformed a little. I felt like neither guy really, really went balls deep and went for it. It was a good fight. But I, I was expecting this to be a shootout. I was expecting a little bit more. I was expecting it to build. It started good. It had good moments. But I was expecting it to raise levels like in the middle rounds and then the late rounds and that part just didn't happen it just stayed kind of where it was in the beginning rounds stayed at that pace throughout anyway for Zapata, he's proving to be a really tough junior welterweight contender he's a tough night out for anyone in that loaded division he's not good enough to win a title there because the, the, the title holders in that division are too good for him but he's good enough to give them a hellish night at the office so I want to see him again. For Pedraza, it's starting to look like the odometer, the gas tank's running out. The gas tank's running out a little bit. He's got a few more fights in him, and that's going to be it. All right, California, Dignity Health Sports Park or StubHub Center or Home Depot Center, if you go back old school enough, in Carson, California, on the zone, where our, our guest, Gail Falkenthal, was there. She could talk about it a little bit in the chat, the uh, crowd atmosphere. She said it was awesome. From everything I've heard, there was a bigger crowd there in Carson than there was in Las Vegas. So despite all the hoopla and propaganda from ESPN, it was a complete showcase uh, card there that Golden Boy put on at Carson. It was a shit card. But because of the festive atmosphere and because of the pricing, everybody else showed up there. Uh Gail says, StubHub is always a good time. SoCal boxing fans have fun no matter what. Exactly. Exactly. And um, it made me miss it, man. Watching that just atmosphere there made me miss it. But you know what? I'll be there in a week. I'll be there for Spence Porter for a sold out, uh, hopefully sold out, Staples Center. Actually, I'm hearing it won't be sold out. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Anyway. Main event, Jaime Mugia approves the 34-0 with a KO4 win over Ghanaian fighter Patrick Alotti. This was the fifth defense of Mugia's WBO junior middleweight title. I told you last week, Alotti had left Amer- or Ghana three times, had lost all three times. Well, this was the fourth time. He lost this time. This fight proved absolutely nothing, but it got some rounds in for Mugia. He made a little bit of money, made the Mexican-American fans happy on Mexican Independence Day weekend. There it is. That was pretty much it with this card. Okay, I talked about the Ryan Garcia situation earlier. So let's get to some Q&A, guys, and then we'll wrap it up. And next time you see me, next time you see my face, I'll be coming to you from Los Angeles. It's going to be great. Mr. Vegas, he sounds like he's a casual. Mr. Vegas, you sound like a moron. So guess what? Who is this guy talking? Mr. Vegas, I know who you are and you're trying to troll. You made a new profile. You're trying to come in here and do your thing. You know who I am. If you don't know who I am, then you're not really a boxing fan. Not to say I'm Mr. Know-it-all, but I do know something. So you're going to get... As soon as I figure out how to kick you off the chat, let's see. And remove. Let me see. Did I do it or are you still here? Oh, no, you're still here. This is why I need Tiffany. Let's see. Uh, Hide user from this channel. Boom, you're gone. Now you don't have to know who I am, Mr. Vegas, because you're kicked off the channel. Oh, you like that? Go make another fake account and come back on here. I know who you are, asshole. All right, guys, Uh, let's see. Salem Mooney says, Porter, man, Porter. Look, Sean Porter is going to give Errol Spence a really tough fight. He's going to represent his toughest fight of his young professional career i'm telling you right now chris bergen with the super chat coming over from the uk thank you very very much chris 
He asked, what does the boy need to work on to gate crash the top 10? That's a good question, man. You know what? I don't want Daniel Dubois to crash the top 10 yet. If I was in his corner, I want him to develop. Just keep doing what he's doing. Just keep lining guys up, staying active, knocking them down, working on things. He's still a little stiff. He gets hit a little bit too much. Uh, I think he gets a little overexcited. I think he could be a little more patient and set up his work better and not get hit because he, I just, I've seen him get countered too many times against guys that are not very good. So he needs to clean some of that stuff up. Um, he has a tendency to square up a little bit. He kind of does the bow arrow thing with his jab. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, some fighters pull back their right hand when they throw a jab. I talked about this before on my channel too. He telegraphs when he's going to throw a straight right hand versus a looping right hand. There's just little things he does that I can see that they need to clean up. So with every one of these fights that he's taking, he can work on that stuff and clean it up as he builds himself up. He's not ready for the top 10 yet. It'd be too premature to throw him in the top 10 and it could be bad for him. Just let this kid develop. He's really, really young. Let's see. Oh, Goodfellas, Pulp Fiction asks, Prime Marcos Maidana versus Sean Porter. Who wins? Damn. That's crazy. That's a crazy one, man. Um, you know what? I'm going to catch some heat for this. I always considered Marcos Maidana to be a little overrated. Yeah. I think Sean Porter beats him by decision. It'd be a rough tumble fight. It'd actually be kind of fun. And Maidana would get so frustrated with Porter, he'd absolutely foul him, headbutt him, punch him. Punch him. <laughs> Bunch him in the back of the head, something like that. Uh, I'd probably lose a point for fouling him. But Sean Porter beats him by decision. Who was that that said that? One of you guys. Oh, man, I lost my, uh, I lost the chat here. Oh, we got Harrison Property checking in from Australia. I love it. One of you guys said Tyson Fury showed he's a fireman. I'm sorry, I couldn't get your name because the chat rolled too fast. John Uden says, Maidana is forever loved for beating Broner. Yep. And that's pretty much what his career is based upon. He's the guy that beat Adrian Broner. He solved the problem, quote unquote. Although I think Broner probably got the gift of a couple decisions earlier on in his career. The first official loss was to Marcus Maidana. And that is why Marcus Maidana will never pay for another drink anywhere. If he's anywhere around boxing fans, he'll never pay for another drink for the rest of his life. Goodfellas Pulp Fiction with another good one. Aaron Pryor versus Tito Trinidad. Who wins? Okay, dude, I'm going to take some heat for this one too. Tito Trinidad, a little overrated in my opinion. I got to like Aaron Pryor in that one, man. I'm taking Aaron Pryor in that fight. Now, in the age of Vada testing, because Aaron Pryor, I've heard some things. I heard things. I don't know. In the age of Vada testing, that might change my opinion. But... I'm going to take Aaron Pryor. I know, Goodfellas is pissed off that I said that. I'm going to take Aaron Pryor. <laughs> no, Paul. Bassianos asks, does Lineal have to do something with doing cocaine? Well, you do lines of cocaine. I wouldn't know. I've never done cocaine, but apparently you do lines of cocaine. Line, Lineal. Eh, maybe that's where ESPN's going with this whole thing. I don't know. Native Latino says, Fook Trump. All right, then. Well, you got a political comment into the show. Good for you. We, your opinion's on the record. <laughs> uh, Andre Smith says, Usyk versus Fury Wilder. Who do you favor? Okay, it's too soon to talk about Alexander Usyk against those guys because we haven't seen him in there against any top heavyweight yet. He's about to fight some kickboxing guy. He's going to beat the living shit out of that guy, Okay. He's not going to just destroy him and knock him out in a round or two. He's going to outbox him and wear him down probably late and get rounds in which he needs. He's coming off a layoff and an injury. He's healing up, okay? And he's not going to be 100% for that fight because he's healing up. So the next fight will be against somebody in the top 10. If Povetkin doesn't fight Michael Hunter, maybe it's Povetkin. Maybe it's somebody like a Joseph Parker, somebody on that level, Kubrat Pulev, that kind of opponent. Let's see how he looks against one of those guys and then come back at me 
And I'll give my opinion about how he looks against Wilder, Joshua, uh, Fury, etc. All right? It's just too soon, man. Off the top of my head, can he outbox them? Absolutely. But can he take the punches? Can he take their power? That's what I don't know. That's what I don't know. Louis Garibay asks a good question. Do you think Fury is ready for Wilder in February? Look, regardless if he's... If I was advising him, I would say, you ain't fighting this dude till at least April. But because February, I think, 22nd is the date they want, it's going to happen. It's a lot like the Kovalev and Canelo situation. That's the date, right? That's the date that they want. So uh, because... The people involved, the network, everything else, they want that February date. Fury's fighting on that date regardless. So unless there's a massive injury, someone breaks a bone, dislocates a shoulder, whatever, and they need arthroscopic surgery, something like that, ain't happening. So uh, that fight's happening in February regardless. He could rest for about 60 days or so, not spar, basically take off until December-ish and then start training, and he'll be okay. If he goes into camp in late December, early January, he'll be fine. We got a super chat from Carlos Cabrera. Thank you for getting on here, man. I appreciate it. He says, I used to think Fury boxes all over Ruiz after seeing him struggle somewhat against a shorter guy. I give Ruiz more of a shot due to speed and body work. So do I. I mean, Ruiz would absolutely have a shot against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury said... I'd beat him with one hand tied behind my back or some shit. That's absolutely ridiculous. Here's the thing. Fury can't hurt Andy Ruiz. I don't think he could really hurt him. Ruiz could hurt Tyson Fury because he'd get underneath. He'd get low. He'd get to the body. He'd start punching up. He could very well cut Tyson Fury. Let me tell you something, guys. A cut like that on the right eye was so bad. That cut ain't going away. It's going to reopen. It might not reopen in the next fight or the fight after that, but it will reopen again. And if you punch up the way Valin did, they were in close. I think Fury was going to hold him. And Valin punched up at him. That upward angle, boom, that glancing kind of blow off the eyebrow. You got to think there's a bone right there, right? That's what split it open. That's exactly what Ruiz would do. He'd get under there and punch up with those crazy angles and he cuts that thing open, let me tell you, Andy's going to keep sticking it right to that cut. So on paper, I'd favor a fully motivated Tyson Fury to beat Andy Ruiz in a tough decision, a 12-round fight. But man, Andy Ruiz would be a really live dog in that fight, man. Really live dog. And I would not be surprised if he pulled it off. Thank you for the super chat, Carlos. I appreciate it, man. I saw we got another super chat here from Clint S., he doesn't have a comment, just leaving a super chat pledge. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much, guys, for the super chats tonight. Um, we're getting more fuck Trump. I, guys, please leave freaking politics. What, what does Trump have to do with any of this shit? Seriously, please leave it out. I don't want to have to block someone for political opinions. All political opinions are welcome, but we're not talking about politics tonight. We're talking about boxing. Stop. Hashtag Joshua Wilder says prime Roy Jones KO1 KSI via murder. Well, no shit. Roy Jones right now knocks out KSI via murder. Jesus Christ. Come on now. Oh, Prime TV says that's his username, Mike. Oh, am I, guys, I am not good with technology. Oh, I get it. I get it. It says native Latinos Fook Trump. Okay. All right, dude. I get it. I get it now. My bad. I'll let it go. I'm, I'm still learning how this shit works. <laughs> yeah, he just says right there, that's my username. Okay. Well, hey, man. Cool. I, I, I didn't know. I thought that was your message. I, again, not good with technology. I really need a producer here, man. John Uda with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says, what was Bradley's soft fighters rant about? Also, I want Katie Taylor to rematch Pierce soon before a Serrano fight. Okay, hit on two great things there, man. Thank you for the super chat. Bradley always rants about soft fighters. Fighter X is soft. Fighter Y is soft. Stop it, Tim. You don't need to. You just don't need to. Not everyone that loses is soft. Not everyone that has an off night is soft, okay? 
you don't have to always characterize everything. Again, that's like a Teddy thing. I really think he's been talking to Teddy and Teddy's been coaching him or something on developing a character. Don't be a character, dude. Just be you. You were a world champion. You were a really good fighter. You fought the best in the world. You got enough experience and know-how. Just get in there and tell the damn story. I will say this. I don't like broadcast teams that have two fighters in them. Two fighters is one fighter too many. You need your college boy guy who talks like this. You need your announcer guy to do his radio announcer voice. That's Joe Tessitore. Cool. Then you have your former fighter. I think Andre Ward does a fantastic job. The third guy should be a boxing journalist. Someone like me. That is the three-man team that you should have. That's how it should work. ESP needs to fix that, and so does some of the other crews. Oh, man, we got a bunch of super chats here, man. All right, hold on real quick. John, uh, as far as Katie Taylor, no way they're rematching Pierce soon. They want to go right back. They want to go right to that Amanda Serrano fight. Maybe they rematch her if they beat Amanda Serrano. I hope so. If she beats Amanda Serrano, I will be one of those people banging the drums to rematch Delphine Pursuin. You, you have my word on that. I promise you that, my man. All right, super chat from Harrison Property. Thank you very much, Harrison Property. Homework question, Mike. Any word from Tom Loeffler about Triple G suing his ex-managers? Last time I talked to Tom, and maybe I'll see him out there. I'm not even sure if he's in town. Well, I'm going to be out there. If he is, maybe I'll bump into him and we'll chat. Last time I talked to him, he was suing his ex-management. They were suing him. There were no updates. It's still tied up in litigation. Personally, I think the whole thing is going to get thrown out. Whenever something's this delayed and there's been no updates, it's going to get thrown out on both sides. So there was a suit from Triple G and a countersuit from management. So they're both suing each other. And it's tied up in court. I think it's going to get thrown out. No money is going to exchange hands. Trini Cervantes with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, Trini. Keep up the good work, dude. I love seeing your post, man. You inspire me to do shit around my my house. Some of the do-it-yourself stuff because I see what you do every day. Thank you very much for the Super Chat. Oh, Frankie's on with a Super Chat. Frank Palmasano, thank you very, very much, Frankie. I appreciate it. He says, please answer Jack's question before he has a coronary. Oh, shit. Okay. What did uh, Jack... So, I re- thank you for the super chat. I assume you're asking on behalf of Jack Alter, who asked, what about Andre Ward as a human being? He blocked me on Instagram for saying, looking good, champ. Andre Ward blocks a lot of people. He's blocked me. He's blocked Steve Kim. I believe he's blocked Doug Fisher. Don't quote me on that. He's blocked a lot of people. He's very sensitive on social. I think he's just one of these people that's like, if he sees any negativity, he just blocks that out of his life. That's it. That's it. He's not going to even deal with you. He's just made a decision. And you know what? That's his prerogative. As far as a human being goes, I think that he will do whatever it takes to defend his family and take care of the people in his life. As far as being a guy who honors contracts and honors people who have been good to him, the Goosen family, for example, a little bit shady and shaky in the character department. Again, I've heard a lot of things that I can't say on the record. But being a guy in the Southern California boxing media, that's where I came up and cut my teeth. I learned a lot of things about what was going on behind the scenes related to that situation that made me question the whole holier-than-thou son of God thing. Because, um, well, I just saw some hypocrisies. I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Frankie. Uh, We got another super chat from Chris Marinoff. Thank you very, very much, Chris. He says, thanks for keeping it real, Montero. Question, if AJ wins versus Ruiz in December, who do you think he fights after that? What about if he loses again? Dude, if he loses again, that's tough. He'll still be a brand. He'll still go back to uh, the UK and rebuild. But as far as who he fights next, look, man, it's very, very possible. We don't know what's happening with Dillian White. If that situation gets cleared up next year, win, lose, or draw against Ruiz, and I think he's going to win, maybe he fights Dillian White again. They've been talking about that. It's been on the, kind of on the radar over there for the UK fans. 
I don't think he fights a guy like Joe Joyce or any of those young prospects quite yet. If he loses to Ruiz, he's going to fight a guy like Otto Valin. You know, it's going to be someone like that. If he beats him, I think it'll be somebody like, um, someone like, well, let's think about this. I think Kubrat Pulev is a mandatory for one of those titles. So it could be Kubrat Pulev. I think Dillian White, if he's cleared of everything and gets reinstated, perhaps it's him. But I do believe if, if they go right into that mandatory against Kubrat Pulev, that's a big fight over in the UK. And I think it'd be a good, solid matchup for him. So, dude, if he loses again, though, that's going to be tough. But David Price still gets fights over there, right? He still gets pretty high-profile fights over in the UK. So AJ's brand is, is set. It doesn't really matter. If he wins again, though, uh, he's got to defend titles. He's got to do mandatories. So it's probably going to be Pulev, somebody in the top 10. I really, really think so. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all the Super Chats. Native Latinos, Fook Trump says, Happy Mexican Independence Day. Yes, my man. Happy Independence Day to everybody. Um, Not just folks in Mexico, but everybody around the world. And we got one last Super Chat. I got to say, survive with the Super Chat pledge. Thank you very, very much. When are you doing a fight live stream again? Uh, Well, look, I'll be at Spence Porter and I'll probably do a uh, post-fight rant immediate thoughts kind of video ringside recap from right there in staples center okay as long as the technology works out and i can get good enough internet in there that's what i'll do all right guys i appreciate it man we went for well over an hour tonight awesome great questions tonight guys uh yeah i'll see you thursday night all right see you at the fights